0: Welcome back to the I Drink from Skulls podcast. It's your host, Matt Smith here. And today's guest, we have the amazing Logan Graff. Logan, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you, my friend. Glad to be here. For those that don't know, you you probably must be hiding under a rock. But Logan is the co-founder of a business called Crest Exteriors, uh, which has now been merged and acquired by Apple Roofing. Insane numbers and and the growth that Logan's been able to produce. They became a Top 45 roofing company, and now with Apple roofing, potentially a top 10 roofing company. Ah, Let's go. I drink from skulls, drink from the skulls of my enemies. Logan, welcome to the show, mate. Hey, thanks, man. We're glad to be here. We're really glad to be here, Matt. Appreciate to have you. Now, who the hell is Logan Graff?
1: Well, I'll jump right in. Um, My name's Logan Evan Graff. I was born. A Hoosier. I was born in Evansville, Indiana. My parents or my dad was from the Midwest. My mom was from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, became a Texan before my first birthday. So I'm a Texan, a native Texan is what I say. I was raised in a suburb in northern, uh, DFW, Dallas Fort Worth area. Grew up somewhat, you know, middle class and, um, did the whole, Uh, split family thing. My parents split up when I was younger. I was a little bit of a rowdy, rambunctious kid, you know, got kicked out of every daycare for biting and uh, found my way out of trouble a little bit through grade school, middle school. Um, Didn't finish high school, but I jumped into, uh, you know, what I thought was the best thing for me at the time, which was being an adult. I was young, 16, 17, uh, knew everything like most 16 and 17 year olds do and got into the workforce. I began my my, uh, adult career, if you will, uh, in phone rooms and on the telephone from um, timeshare sales and appointment setting in that industry over to um, uh, commercial collections industry, spent about 15 years in that industry. That was uh, business to business inside sales, started as a a phone room warrior. You can imagine, you know, phone rooms like the movie Boiler Room and, and Wall Street and things of that nature. Uh, we were offering a, a, a contingency-based service to go chase down people that wouldn't pay their bills on time to businesses. And it was B2B collections, so it was um, rather aggressive. That's an unregulated industry. So it's uh, it's very similar similar to roofing because there was a lot of competition. Ended up uh, owning my own collection agency, sold that to a company in Richardson, worked for them for five years. Believe it or not, it some of the, the most unique and, and craziest and best years of my life. Um, throughout that time frame, I, uh, you know, became independent, ended up uh, falling in love with a beautiful woman, my wife, Lindsay Graff, now of 16 years. Congratulations. We have two. Beautiful- Thank you. Thank you. She's my rock. We have two beautiful children, Cole and Kate. Nice cup, man. Uh, Cole and Kate. Uh, Cole is 11. Kate is eight. And uh, we now live in Prosper, Texas, still north of DFW. Spent a lot of time in this Area in my life. My wife and I started dating when she was still in college. I had moved to Austin for another phone room job, and um, she was going to school down there. We knew each other from from grade school and high school. And uh, funny enough, her and my my business partner Sam lived in the on the same street together. And so we had mutual friends growing up. We knew each other for a long time. I wasn't mature enough for Lindsay to date me in high school, so it took me a while. And she finally uh, gave me the opportunity. And when she was in college. And uh, married in 06. Our first child was born in 2011. And then our daughter was born in 2014. Um, Shortly after that is when I made the switch to roofing. Left the collection agency business. That was a very fruitful business. I tell everyone that's where I got my education. And that's true. You know, our our roles at that company on a daily basis, we're communicating with CEOs or CFOs or credit managers, directors of credit, VP of finance, and getting them to talk to us about their problems, which they never had any problems, right? But once they would open up to to us, our job was to close them to give us the business, and we would go collect the money, charge a fee, and we would earn commission as sales reps to uh, bring those those collection accounts in that we were able to get collected. So I learned a lot about business. I learned a lot about different industries because we it didn't matter what industry yeah. you were in if you know if you used U.S. currency. Or Australian currency, for that matter. If you if you if you were a business, you needed money and people weren't paying. You know, we could go find that solution for them. I departed the, the final company that I worked for just on a, a, a small disagreement, no big issues. But I wanted to do something again, independent, yeah. and I had a, a very structured non compete agreement. So I had to get out of that industry for a year, and that's when I uh, knocked on my buddy Sam's door and said, "Hey, I need a job for a year." And, he gave me that opportunity and you know heck it's been seven and a half years since then and dang nearly eight years i'm sorry and and we're yeah wow that's me
0: and another I love place. that i can see how the education and the apprenticeship in the collection space has served you guys so well so you mentioned you you are a family man you're looking for an opportunity you went and spoke to with sam a friend at that point you guys grew up together yeah yeah we,
1: we um we grew up in the same town and. You know, he was an, uh, a licensed insurance adjuster going out and, and writing, doing adjustments for storm claims. And so half the year he would be on the road storm chasing and on, on the other side working for the insurance company. And so he gained his education and his knowledge. He had an accounting degree from Texas Tech, and then he was you know, chasing storms as an adjuster forever. And that's where he gained a lot of his knowledge. Um, and so he had the bright idea one day of, of starting another roofing company, and he did that. I was able to join about six months later. You know, I just started as a sales rep. I didn't know a thing about roofing. I was scared to get on roofs like everybody is the first time you climb up a ladder. But um, was a creature of habit, had a, a wife and, and two babies at home and a mortgage and a truck payment and bills like the rest of the world that had to be paid. And I needed a job to, to bridge that non-compete. And my original goal was to go start another collection agency. I know that business yeah. well. I still, I miss that business because it was, it was never dull. Roofing is right up there too. But we, we found a way to make roofing work really well for us. And so I've stuck with it.
0: And, uh, you know, ha- having a partner
1: and partners in this business has been the, the, the biggest blessing in my entire life.
0: Wow, some great insights there, my man. Let's focus on your time a little bit with with Sam and and Crest Exteriors. Is that right? So it yes. was a startup in was that 2016. He started it
1: in August of
0: 2015. 2015. Gotcha. So Crest essentially a startup at that point, and you were starting in a brand new industry. Uh, whilst you had a great base, but roofing was completely foreign to you. The end result was that Crest ended up being the one of one of the top well uh, 45th. On the list of top roofing companies so insane growth in that period but no doubt there was some shaky times at the start with your family life and and everything else how did you handle the fact that you well, you're going into a brand new industry um in probably the most competitive market in the us how did you guys approach it good
1: question you know when i when i started i didn't know the ins and outs of roofing but i also that also means i didn't know the the things that could scare some people yep. away I, I knew that the first step in, in getting somebody to buy a roof was a, a sales approach. You know, a sales transaction had to take place. And communication is one thing that um, I pride myself on. I'm a great communicator, whether it's on the phone or over email or in person. Um, and I learned that in collections. You know, we had to talk to people on a consistent basis to gain trust and respect and um, build a relationship. So I didn't know, I didn't have any of the fear that some people might have if they were going to start in roofing today. So, So sometimes it was, it was, we would just get lucky and be in the right place at the right time. And then other, other scenarios, we were, we were making our bed so we could lay in it. You know, I spent the first few months trying to learn as much as I could about what, what, what makes a roof a roof and what does insurance paperwork mean? And why do they pay this? And why wouldn't they pay that? That's really two of the, most important factors in the business is understanding the insurance claim process and understanding you know what goes into a roof system in itself i didn't know shit about it okay excuse my I language all i knew was people had an issue their roof had a problem i could get that problem solved so my goal was to go out and meet people gain some trust get gain some opportunity and bring that customer in the door, and we had, um, you know, the the back end of the office, if you will, that could solve everything else. You know, get the insurance claim resolved, get the job built, do it the right way, and um, you know, make money. There's plenty of money in this stuff if you do it the right way. Some people seem to try and overcomplicate it. It's not that hard.
0: Yeah, right. I love that you shared that you started with with the basics and um, by understanding the homeowner or the prospect. And the actual process itself. Do you think a lot of sales reps and, and roofing companies and contractors for that matter sort of skip over that and they're really more focused on trying to make money and, and, and sell? Is that something you've seen? Yeah. I do.
1: I think a lot of people get into this business for the wrong reasons. Whatever you're going to do with your life, whether you're going to be in roofing or you're going to flip hamburgers or you're going to you know build buildings or whatever you decide you want to do in life, you've got to find out the reasons why you want to do it. Yeah. And money is important. Zig Ziglar says it's up there with oxygen. You need it to live. It is important, but, but that can't be your only passion. So, truth be told, my first year in the in the business, I was just trying to make enough money to not have to dip into savings. And and on the side, I was planning on going back to collections. Yeah. And I, I had that in my head for nine months or so. You know, I started April the tenth or so of two thousand sixteen. And I had a plan. As soon as my non-compete was up, I was going to open a corporation, create a create an entity, go get an office and start a new collection agency. That non-compete um, was very firm. And I made that agreement. I wanted to honor that agreement. And so I knew there was no screwing around with that until a specific date. But I had a business plan. I knew exactly what it was going to cost to go open that business. I knew exactly how long it was going to take before we turned a profit and I knew exactly what it was going to take to grow that business from a startup to where I wanted it to be. My passion in collections was holding people accountable. Yeah. I'm held accountable year after year to pay taxes and to pay my bills on per, on time. And so I, I had a passion for helping our customers hold their customers accountable. So I found passion in that when it got into roofing, I found passion in helping people. People need help. And you, you you said something that got my attention. The DFW market in roofing, it's overly saturated, has been for a while, partially because of consistent weather events, partially because of the economic growth here, you know, the building homes and structures and it, it's just non-stop they're building thousands and thousands of new properties every year in the dfw market it's just getting bigger and better uh, in my opinion so that that bred more competition there was a lot of good roofing companies here in dfw still are yep. a lot of good ones and you know people would would go and have success at a, at a company and I, i'm sure this is happening in any any market it happened in the freaking collection agency business People go work for someone, they make good money and they say, you know what? I want to make what the yeah. owner's making. I'm, I can do this on my own. And some of them are successful. Some of them are not. The ones that are not, they they have, in my opinion, they have their passion in the wrong spot. If, you're, if your sole drive to get into roofing is for the money, you shouldn't do it. If you can get into this business to help people solve problems, be a business of integrity, do the right thing, even when nobody's looking and, you know, you're going to take lumps on the head. But when you do shit that way, you get more business that falls into your lap than you can even handle. And so that is not jumping ahead here, but that's what expedited yeah. our growth. Not just taking care of customers, but taking care of the people. You know, our employees are, are what is this business today. The people that are employed at this business, that's what makes the business what it is today. It's not me, it's not Sam, it's not Marcus, it's not Dustin, it's not our, our other leaders and other executives. It's the people that are out there taking care of customers. We take care of our people, they will take care of our customers, and that takes care of the company. The rest is
0: is pretty easy. So, so many nuggets. There. I hope that answers the question. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of got on a no, tangent there. But, I love tangents. I'm all with you. Um, and I'm going to focus on the rapid growth that you've experienced um, in, a, in a minute. want to go back one, just a little bit here and unpack something you said before. Nine months into your journey, you were still focused. You were going to go back to the collection business, but something happened, something changed. What was that? What made you say, you know what? I think roofing's for me. I'll tell you exactly what it is.
1: It's my partner,
0: Sam. He said,
1: I basically said to him, Hey, I'm going back to collections. Here's my business plan. Here's how much it costs to start up. Do you want to invest? do you want to be a partner in this business? And he took home the business plan and he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. Another, another reason why I'm partners with him, but he was a, he's a studier. If he doesn't know something, he will go learn about it and stay up all night reading and studying about something and figure it out. And he's done that in, in, in a few different ways. So I pitched him my business plan. And I think he came back Monday and said, Hey, we need to sit down and have a talk. I was like, great, let's go, He's let's in. do this. You know, let me tell you more. Let me tell you about how we're going to grow. Yep. And he said, you know, um, I'm not willing to let you leave this company. Let's put a partnership together. And he he offered me sweat equity in, in the company with with no capital investment. And most people would take that on the spot, but I had to posture. I had to say, you know, that's a good idea. Let me think about it. Yeah. And so that was the turning point for me. That's how. I changed my mind and going backwards a little bit. A, a lot of a lot of our good salespeople at the time, they could go out and sell a, a really good job, and they, and then we could build it. We would build it fast. We were liquid. We've always prided ourselves on staying liquid in this yeah. business because there's there's only two reasons a customer can get away with not paying. Um, they either die or they haven't. We haven't built the job yet. So as soon as a customer would would sign with us, we would build the job and we would you know, chase the money. We would chase insurance money or we would, you know, the, the money wasn't the, the first priority. And some people may say we're, we're, we are fools for doing that. I would argue and let our numbers speak why that's wrong. Um, but so the sales guys couldn't collect their money at all. They, they were really bad at collecting gotcha. money. And I came from a background where if you're in sales and you can't ask for money, then you should get out of sales, period. If you have a product and a service that you believe in and you think somebody should buy it, then price should never be a factor. And asking for money should never be a factor. So I was helping the, the company collect money. Before I started, there was a big tornado in DFW the Christmas of 2015, like two days after. There was a large tornado that ripped through um, Rowlett, Texas, Rockwall, Texas, Sunnyvale, wow. Texas, which is east of the, the major me- metroplex. And he had about a dozen on the Salesforce and they went out there and and signed up a whole bunch of jobs, built a whole bunch of jobs and tied up a whole lot of capital, you know, seven figures worth of capital that was his own capital that had gotten tied up in those jobs. And so, you know, things were were getting a little bit uh, nerve wracking. And so we had to put a hardcore press on collecting money and we had success with that. But some of the guys were they'd have troublesome customers that didn't want to come off their deductible or got insurance money and got sticky fingers or had amnesia or whatever the case may be so i was able to help that so i think part of that influenced sam's decision to to say hey let's become partners and i was a, a process oriented person in collections we used a crm we had lead development we had customer follow up requirements you know we had you know checks and balances in that regard and so I can remember my first day coming in. I was like, hey, I'm going to start. What CRM are you using? And he's like, what are you yeah. talking about? Because like, how are you keeping track of uh, of your customers and who we're doing what for? And he's like, oh, you see, we have these uh, we have these manila folders here. And you fill out the name. And I was like, what? <laughs> manila folders? Come on, dude. It's like you're in the Stone Ages. I was like, we need a CRM. That day, he Googled roofing CRM and AccuLinks popped up. And he... Swiped his credit card that day, and we were in NACULAKS right gotcha. away. Still are to this day. Yeah. So as we approached that, that end of the year, he came back to me and countered my offer with an offer of his own that, that was very generous. Sam's the most generous guy I've ever met in my life, and I'm, I'm very grateful for him as a partner for so many reasons other than this one. But, you know, I went home and, and told my wife, and she was happy with what had been taking place thus far. She had known Sam and had a trust with him as well. And so it just made sense. And we, uh, you know, we put buy-sell agreements together. We, we put a very structured uh, contract together for our partnership. You know, a, a business partnership is like a marriage. And if you go into these things with the understanding of how you're going to get out of them, if you ever want out of the business relationship, yeah. they end up working out so much better. I haven't been in any other partnerships prior to that, but I had seen a whole bunch of them yeah. fail. And what was convenient and really cool about, Sam, is the things he was really good at, I wasn't. And the things I was really good at, he wasn't. Like if a customer owed us money, he was not the guy to pick up the phone and call them. It wasn't gonna end well. But when it came to understanding the insurance process and how to do that, I was naive to that. When it came to understanding how a roof system is built, I was naive to that. So I always have represented our business relationship as yin and yang. We were a perfect match and the things he was really awesome at, I suck at and the things I was really awesome at, he was not so good at. So it worked well. And, um, we hit the ground running really hard, Matt. That's a, that's a, that's another topic, but,
0: uh, I'd love to unpack that a bit further. So many nuggets there, but you did hit the ground running, um, and experienced rapid growth. What were some of the things that you'd love to share about that journey and the, the the big wins and the struggles too.
1: The the struggles were somewhat consistent. The struggles were getting salespeople to, you know, follow our our proven yeah. process. You know, we had a process on how we sell a job, how we build a job, how we collect a job, basically a roadmap. And if we would give that information to a salesperson, we would expect them to do it without having to be managed. So that was troublesome from time to time. Most of the the team members, you know, 70, 80% of them would follow suit. But there's an 80-20 rule, and you've heard it before, 80% of your, your sales can come from 20% of your of your yeah. team and, and vice versa. Most good salespeople come with a little bit of baggage, and myself included, I wasn't always the easiest salesperson to, to be an employee or to be managed. And so that was some of the struggles. Some of the other struggles we had were distributors and you know large client opportunities. Distributors didn't want to give us a bunch of credit because we were like actual credit yeah. terms because we were new. They thought we were a blip on the radar. We spent a lot of time right before social media advertising for roofing became cool. We spent a lot of time on yeah. that and you know we you know everybody was was everybody had a Facebook and everybody was on social. We just started posting all the shit we do on a daily basis on social you know, it was boring to some, but it was exciting to us. We would talk about our culture. You know, we created and trademarked our hashtag, hashtag Crest Hustle. That came from from a long freaking day, one day with a long month of us busting our asses. And we met, we met back at the office, Sam and I, one day. And I was like, man, we busted our asses today. We were just talking about our wins. And, man, we were tired. Knuckles are dragging the ground. He's like, man, we hustled today. I was like, we sure did hustle. And he looked at me and said, Crest yeah. Hustle. And I was like, dude, yeah. I like that. And so we got bracelets made and T-shirts made, and that was our hashtag. That was our thing. And so I'm leading that in. It was a struggle because people started laughing yeah. at us and making fun of us, and like, oh, Chris Huffle, you are so great, you know. And still to this day, we joke around with some people about that, you know. And that was a struggle, man. We we're we're men, we're humans, but we also have. You know, we, we have feelings, yeah. too. I don't want to sound like a cornball, but we took a lot of flack. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, y'all are y'all. Will, nobody will remember who y'all are in a year from yeah. now. You know, get out of here. Our distributors wouldn't raise our credit limits. We needed to build more jobs. We had insurance paperwork, checks in hand and and customers that were ready for us to roof their jobs and the distributors wouldn't give us higher lines of credit. You know, they would start us at fifty thousand dollars in a month, and if we if we reached the max, they wanted it paid off before they would sell us another shingle, which is understandable coming from the background I was in. That's super understandable. Sam was able to to you know make a few phone calls and get some meetings with some uh, some people's bosses, and we would go sit down with them and and we opened up our books to them and said, hey, we want to spend. a month with you, but you're capping us at 50. So we're going to have to go over here to this other supplier, which is fine, but we would rather build a relationship with you. We like you. We want to continue this. And so we struggled with that, that those people have to make, you know, smart business decisions when they're giving people credit terms that yielded us some long-term relationships. We finally got the ball moving with that. Some of the other things that would slow us down were um, again, kind of credibility, We wanted to go build relationships with multifamily communities and, you know, get into some bigger opportunities. We wanted to go talk to HOA directors and presidents of HOAs from communities that had gotten smashed by hail And going to a, a person like that, and you're talking big dollar figures. They want to they want to see your resume. They want to see your your brag sheet. Yeah. And we didn't have it. We were, you know, a year and a half, two years old. So we just had to continue, you know, knocking on the doors and continue bringing in talent, dealing with the, the, the stuff that would go along with that. You know, we joke about it, but a, draws is a big Love thing. A we wanted we were big proponents of it and we wanted to give people opportunities to succeed. And every once in a while you get burned, You give somebody a draw, you hope and pray that they're going to come yeah. back the next day. Uh, we had a lot of success with that, and we still to this day have a lot of success stories where some people, you know, wanted to be a part of something bigger than themselves and needed a little bit of help. And so that's that's another kind of mission statement for us is we are here to help not just with the customer, not just with the storm, but with our people. So, yeah, that's um, some of the struggles. And those, those things still occur today. We're just getting
0: better at how to deal with those gotcha. things. Yeah, my little takeaways there are: sales is not for people who hate money. Number one, focus on relationships, and you establish trust and credibility through consistency. When did those bigger opportunities start to turn into into revenue? And you mentioned two years in, they weren't. You know, they knew you were there, but they didn't think you were serious. They they needed to see more. How did they? How did that start to turn into reality for you?
1: Sure, about um, summertime of two thousand seventeen, our. our, our Within our first year as partners, approximately two years in business, there was a hailstorm in uh, the greater Denver area, and Sam literally went out there the day of the storm, found an office, bought some furniture, hired a, a, a manager, and we were open for business in southeast Denver uh, out of a city called Centennial. There was a bunch of storm damage there, and we took some of our sales guys from DFW out there and uh, set up shop. We were storm chasers. We set up shop out there, started recruiting salespeople, and we called the suppliers. Hey, we have an office now in Denver. Who's our rep out here? We need shingles. We got you know, orders, blah, blah, blah. And so slowly but surely, those people started opening their eyes and giving us more opportunity. We were always interested in, in bigger deals. We had some experienced people on our team that had adjuster backgrounds, other people that had sales backgrounds and had customer relationships already built and we were basically just the bank for those people. And, you know, one apartment complex led into another one. That one would lead into another relationship or this decision maker left that company and went and worked for this company, had worked with us in the past and called us for a a small repair and we massaged and matured those relationships. We would reinvest into the company. We bought, you know, company trucks and got them wrapped so we could look more professional everywhere we went. We got better, Clothes and, and company apparel. We wanted to, to look look the part, dress the part, and, and be be exactly who we were. We continued our approach on social media with talking about what we're doing, not bragging and not being arrogant or egotistical, but showing factual information. And a lot of... Um, we still had haters, and I think if you're doing shit right, you're always going to have haters. But a lot of the, the people who were questioning, you know, what's going to happen with these guys or, or let's see how long they hang around. They started, you know, I don't want to say drinking the Kool-Aid, but they started enjoying. They started joining us instead of hating on us. And so our next big challenge was going to find out who's doing things that we want to do and what could we learn from them. So we, we went and tried to schedule appointments with owners and operators of the largest roofing companies in the country. So we were cold calling this, how we met the CEO of Quick Roofing as we cold called him. We found his cell phone number. Sam made a relationship with Paul Reed at Northwest out in Colorado. Um, we reached out to some some people who, who are some really good friends of ours in Minnesota, a company called All Star. We reached out to these guys and wanted to learn. We, we wanted to not just tell them who we are and and what we're doing,
0: but we wanted to learn from their mistakes so we didn't make them as well. So, mate, I'd love to focus on what you guys had done really well and then sort of just even if you could touch on a few of the struggles um, in your rapid growth with Crest.
1: True. One one thing that that we did well was, was introduce ourselves to people and try to get information. We were not afraid to go you know, knock on the doors of the, the biggest and best uh, in our industry because we wanted to learn not only what they're doing right, but what they're doing wrong. So we did a whole lot of that. We networked across the country with people that were, you know, having success in this industry and been around for a long time. We really wanted to learn what what are we doing wrong and what can we do better. We also spent a lot of time going to um, trade shows and events that were in our industry um, That. There's a lot of them now, and there was only a few when I started. And we got so much great information from the different trade shows that we would go to—technology, marketing, strategy. But the, the the thing that separated us from our competition was our speed. Um, I mentioned before we stayed liquid as a company. Both both Sam and I came from a uh, a previous career where we made made uh, a good living. Gratefully, we weren't having to live paycheck to paycheck. So we were able to explore more things and we would go hit a storm faster than anyone else. We would be boots on the ground you know, immediately after the storm. And then we, were, we weren't afraid to talk about it and, and not just amongst each other, but socially and on the social media platforms. We would show up in a neighborhood with 30 guys and 30 trucks and 30 ladders and 50 crewmen ready to go you know, do emergency services. Um, we would chase hurricanes with just as many people and go down and, and you know, be, be somewhat of a first responder. I never want to take away from actual first responders because those guys are one of a kind and, and we support the ever-loving you-know-what out of them. But we would respond quickly to these storm events for obvious reasons. You know, we learned something from one of the Nusbeck boys that like we were talking about earlier. The first one to build in the storm wins the storm. And so we, we listened to those people that were giving us free knowledge and free information. So we would, we put a plan together months before any storm happened. We can't predict the weather. We just knew exactly what we were going to do. Um, we had hailstorms hit at 10 o'clock at night. I've been on roofs at midnight when it's still raining, helping people tarp roofs and signing contracts in, in the kitchen at midnight. Um, you know, we, we would, we would react fast. And with our marketing, that would that would make the phone ring we would attract what we were looking for we would attract the the type of customer that wanted a reputable company that could react fast and that could do the job quickly and and then so they could get on with their lives and so we i don't want to say we perfected that but we we set somewhat of a standard of how we were going to operate in the future with you know storm reaction time Um, again bought a large camper, wrapped it with our company logo on it. The storm response yeah. team, you know, we, we bought more vehicles. We, we wanted to make a presence when we were in a neighborhood to where people wouldn't say, Oh, you've only been in business three years. I'm not going to use you, you know, shit. We still hear that today. Oh, you've only been in business seven years. Well, we're not going to use you. We're going to use someone else. That stuff doesn't happen anymore just because of the way you show up and present. So that was, that was one of the things that, that, sped up the growth. One Another thing, it sounds simple, but it's really not. It is simple to do, but so many people forget it. It's one word, integrity. You have to pay your people right. You have to pay them fairly. You have to pay them properly. You have to pay them on time. Um, again, coming from collections, this may sound odd to some, but we've never written a bad check, and we've never missed a commission day, ever. And We take pride in that. These these people that will go out and and wear your wear your badge, wear your company information and go out and sell your service, they deserve every dollar that they earn. And so that was another, you know, thing that we've we've maintained and and it was really a no-brainer for me. I told you earlier about a, uh, accountability was it was a passion of mine. Those things helped our growth and we ran into other opportunities where we would meet other people that wanted to be on the team, that wanted to swing the bat for us. They wanted to be on a Super Bowl winning team. They wanted to, to, to hang out with us and go make money together and change their lives or enhance their lives even more. We've had the privilege of getting talented folks, not just on the sales side, but inside our office. You know, we have so many trusted employees inside the office that never get the limelight um, accounting people that answer the phone, the production team, people that process payroll and accounts payable, those things are all part of it too. And as you get bigger, whether you're a startup or you wanna be a $10 million company, if you don't have those things outlined, you're gonna struggle even more. Um, We kinda went as we go, or we went as we went, if you will. Those are things that helped us you know, get along that. We had a lot of desire. Um, we stumbled a lot. We, we, we didn't ever second guess ourselves. It was mostly like ready, fire, aim. We sniffed around every little thing we could to try and find out what is going to be um, unique about us. How can we make ourselves um, smarter? How can we get better? And we kept working hard and smart. I'm not a fan of that that saying, work smarter, not harder. I think you got to do both until
0: you don't have to do either. Absolutely. And one thing you mentioned there, simple, but no not nowhere near enough people do it, is paying your people on time every time, paying them well, investing in them. And that's yeah. something that you and Sam have have not just done well, but done as a as a market leader and industry leader. And I after speaking with hundreds and hundreds of different roofers, it's so common. You hear it so often where a sales rep or, or someone within a business, maybe a partner, Someone, is, someone gets screwed over and you guys have, you know, you've gone the complete opposite of that and you've put your life and journey on display both social media, but acting in integrity also, um, which leads me into the next thing I'd love to touch on, um, which is, you know, you, you've had plenty of experience with either acquiring other, other companies um, or dealing with other companies and also merging yourself what do you what do you see or what do you notice when you you're looking at other roofing companies? Um, maybe they're reaching out to you they want to be a part of of what you know what you've got going on? We
1: see a lot there's a, yeah. a lot of different scenarios, and most of it's not over the top negative, but what what we found most commonly and we, and we us, Crest Exteriors and Apple Roofing, LLC, we were both acquired by um, Gage Capital out of Southlake, Texas. They are our partner and they acquired wow. okay. both of our companies the same. We were we were very close in uh, revenue and EBITDA and all those fancy terms. And so we, we, we merged together and our goal is, was, and is continuing to be more M&A. We looked at 50 different businesses that are in the 10 million to 50 million range. And we've, we've gotten intimate with more than half of them, where they get to the, the part where you have to open up the books.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and the most common thing is people aren't making as much money as they think they were making in reference yeah. to bottom line dollars. And I'm not, I'm not talking at all about, you know, people that are flaunting this or flaunting that that's not what I'm talking about. A lot of people don't, don't understand you know, general accounting practices and they don't necessarily understand what their bottom dollars are, what they're making. Yeah, their CPA may have told them they made this, but a lot of them, the most common thing was people didn't know how much they were making. They would say, hey, we're, we're making X. And after, a, you know, a deep dive into the accounting process, it, it would come out less than that. And so that would that would kill the deal in most times. It doesn't mean those aren't good people and that we wouldn't consider them down the road, but um, that's the most common thing. We've been super fortunate with the two acquisitions that we have captured and, and fully closed with them because not they weren't just financially strong, but their, their personnel, the, the founders, the leaders, and the, the personnel are just extremely great people. And it almost seems like from, from a pattern, the the companies that have all of their things in order have the best people that are working for them. Yeah. That maybe that's just a a fluke, but I really feel strongly that the, the best businesses in America have the best people that work for them. And um, the, the owners, the leaders, the operators are not always the smartest ones. It's their people that, that make that. So that kind of answers that. Yeah. Um, It's very challenging because uh, and I'm not involved day to day on the MA. my, my role in, in this organization is, you may find this shocking, but is uh, accounts receivable, estimating, supplementing customer service. And, and I, I am in a sales background, but we have other leaders in this team that are you know heading up the, the sales arena. The supplementing process is a whole different podcast. We can talk about that sometime. It's been it's been really challenging because we have let's say we have a 10 step um, checklist. For, for a potential acquisition, you know, by the time that they make it step six, there's a lot of time invested. And if it ends up not working out, that's a, you know, that can feel like a huge time bend. You know, if you, you get intimate with a business who's, who's interested in, in what we're doing and wanting to be a part of it, and they, and you make it all the way to like step six or step seven, and then find out it's not a match, that's a lot of time and resources consumed. So that's what we've seen a lot. And, you know, we're learning from experts who have been doing the, the M&A stuff for some time. That That's not something that we're experts in, but we're getting better with every meeting. Um, that's some of the biggest struggles we've seen is people just don't. They think their business is, is worth one thing and they, they find out hard truths or hard facts that it's worth less. There's only been a couple that were know exactly what we thought they were and and two of those select few were, were ones that we were able to partner with and acquire
0: what would your advice be to to the roofing company or to any business owner for that fact To um how did you guys you know know your numbers and understand that side of the business good question um
1: sam's background as i mentioned before he had an accounting degree um, very good with numbers and he's a um habitual study or about something that he wants to learn about. He, and so I have to give him the majority of that credit with our business. He, you know, he found some, some, we meeting with some of those, those CEOs and business owners that we were targeting, you know, we were, we were learning more information from them about what is next level playing field look like? What is, uh, you know, what is the next step from, from growing from a, a small business to a medium sized business to a large business? And, the, the most common thing we were told is get your accounting in order. Yeah. Know what know what your business is worth. So there were several, several, several steps that we had to take as a company, you know, switch from cash-based accounting to accrual and, you know, get certified books. And, and that, that goes even further when you when you get into the the, the as getting closed. So that was a that was a big step for us. It cost us several hundred thousand dollars as a 25 or 30 million dollar business. We were putting several hundred thousand dollars of our net profit, basically our take-home pay, we were putting back into the business to to certify us. Not, not that we needed a certification to put a plaque on the wall, but we wanted to know if we're going to go try and swing for the fences here, if we're going to go try and be a big boy business, we better have our ducks in a row or we're going to yeah. get laughed out of the room, literally. Yeah. So for people that are thinking about doing that, they have to go get they have to go through the that pain. And I say pain because not only did we have to go spend that money, Matt, and spend the time, not only to research it and and develop it, sound like prestige worldwide there, but um <laughs> but we had to keep our business running and producing. We couldn't go backwards, you know, and knock on wood. Our our revenue never went backwards in the the 6 years we were Independently, Crest Exteriors. We always had gain, um, and that was because of our work ethic and our all of those steps that we've kind of talked about in here. So my advice to anybody who's looking to do that is go find the experts and hire them. You can't afford not to because if you get down that if you get down that ten step list and you get to step six, you're going to be really pissed off. Because you spent a lot of time and money to get to that point and if you can't make it like past step six or step seven, which is the where the deep dive into your books, you're gonna be really mad
0: yeah.
1: because you feel like you wasted time and it's it's not free either. It's real dollars that it costs you to to, to go do that. and um, so it was a gamble. there were there was many times it, it, we did this for about two and a half years before we finally you know put our deal together with gage. There were many times where I was like, man, that head trash in my head or that negativity in my head with thinking, I'm not sure if this is going to be worth it or not. We're, we're reinvesting into our business, but there's nothing promised. Um, but we kept on and, um, you know, we, we were, I don't want to say lucky. I, I think we put in the work to get where we're at. Yeah, we get a little lucky here and there, but luck is where hard work meets opportunity. So we were, we were in the right place had the right uniform on. We were ready. We had the stripes under our eyes. We had new cleats. We were ready for, for battle and uh, we won the war.
0: The the first one.
1: Now we got three or four more coming up. That's my advice.
0: to People that are looking for that though. That's fantastic advice. All right. We've had a few technical difficulties, but we are back. We don't take shit. We drink from skulls. We, uh, we were never going to lay down. So thanks for hanging in there with me, Logan. Mate, I want to talk a little bit about uh, something that's very unique, um, and something that's kind of—it's—it's it's come into the roofing space now. Private equity, mergers and acquisitions. I'd love to hear about um, how how you've found that experience and what roofers and companies uh, need to do to be set up to be positioned to be to have that happen. Sure.
1: Well, if, if you if you were to ask a layman, you know, about why why private equity companies would want to get involved in, a, in any industry. The, the, the folks that make up the, the private equity sector, um, for the most part, those people are very, very intelligent. Um, they're very business savvy, um, very good with money. They understand more about business on accident than most people do on purpose. And so their attraction, in my opinion, is it's a, a very, very, uh, very good financial opportunity. And so they look to invest private money into something where they can get a return. They have a little bit more control over it than something that is a you know an opportunity for a public type investment. And I, I do have to give credit where credit is due. My business partner, Sam, all through the Crest Exteriors uh, venture, his mind is just a, the, he's got the biggest brain on a, on a human that I've ever seen. And, and it just never stops. He's very talented, very creative. And so we stumbled upon some friends in the industry in the northern part of the United States that had been involved in a, a very lucrative private equity venture. They shared some information with us. Uh, we spent the next eighteen months or so. This was back in 2018, 2019. We spent the, the next eighteen months doing our own research and, yeah. you know, kind of understanding what is that what is that world about, and getting our business ready for you know something that could end up being attractive to a private equity firm. And there was a lot that goes into that. So I won't bore you with all that, but that's kind of how it started. And the, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. You know, the more people that you can visit with and learn from, the more opportunities can fall into your lap. Some of them you gotta, you know, scratch, claw, and bite to get to. Others can literally fall into your lap. So we we tried to put ourselves in a position where we could get a seat at those tables have a conversation with some of those people, and the first event that we tried to, con- you know, participate in, for lack of better words, it didn't go through. There was eighteen yeah. months of, of uh, time and experience, and a whole lot of m o n e y spent to get ready so, for that. You know, getting your books clean and, and making sure that that you can pass an audit from from those folks, and you can explain where every dollar in and every dollar out has has come from or went to. That's the type of audit those folks perform. And so the first one that we went through, 18 months worth of worth of work put into it. It just didn't work out. It wasn't the end of the world, but it just didn't work out. But it was a learning experience for us. We yeah. got a lot of education. And we the the hardest part was keeping our business running, you know, being able to have a, a core group of people that can keep your business running while you're working on sp- some projects like that to grow is very important because you can't just put the whole business on hold while you go focus on this over here to learn about it. So yeah. Um, following that first one, the second one obviously uh, went well, it worked out for us and we're 18 months past that closing date. And there was an 18 month period before that closing date of putting that deal together. So I don't know. Doing rough math here, four and a half, five and a half years, or the past four and a half or five and a half years would be my experience in it. There's others out there that have more, but that's a good amount. And like you said, it's no secret that um, this this space is is a uh, is a very interesting space for private equity. Yeah. I know three other major groups outside of our group that are that are actively that, that have purchased some companies and are actively pursuing more. And it's it's good to see because I think it, I think it's helpful for the industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We won't go into it too deeply, but if you could share one big takeaway, other than um, you need your team to be able to function without you, what would it be to be ready for to for private equity?
1: If there's one takeaway, you got to be ready to be honest with yourself because you can you can tell everybody you want to tell about how many roofs you replaced and how much revenue you did but when it comes down to it and and you get your final numbers you're going to ha- you're going to have to be able to swallow what those final numbers are a yep. lot of people in in any industry not just roofing but in any industry they think they're doing x amount of revenue or they think they're making x amount of profit they think that their annual earnings are this number yep. and until it gets audited to make sure that you didn't overlook something you know it, it is whatever you imagine it to be so that's the biggest takeaway for me was realizing that when, they, when, when those audits took place, we, we got a, a, a clear dose of our own medicine of where we were really at, which allowed us to focus more on maintaining that growth. Because it doesn't matter how much revenue you do. What matters is the profit. And after you yeah. pay Uncle Sam, what's the real take home? And then what are you able to do with that money to help grow your business? Because one or two good years in the business is is great, but then what? You got the whole rest of your life. You got to pay attention to.
0: Absolutely, that's great share, man. Just want to ask, like, if you if you had your time over again and you were starting up a roofing company, what would you do differently? Like, how would you approach it, knowing what you know now?
1: Oh, well, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is I would I would approach it more aggressively than we did. Yeah, we were we were what we thought to be pretty aggressive at the time in reference to our marketing and our sales approach and and how good of a customer service representation we wanted to make our business be. Um, I, I think that if I had to start all over again, I would do I would double down on that. And heck, even 10 exit, I would, I would try to be more of a customer service friendly business. I would try to be more of an employee eccentric business. I would try to be more aggressive and assertive with my marketing and how I capture leads and how I bring people to the table to know who our company was. It's even more competitive now than it was then. But if you take a road and you stick with that road, you'll have success. I think a lot of people would fail because they hit one road and then it forks this way. It goes that way. They try different things and they can't get to one. So my takeaway would be Get more aggressive, man. More drink aggressive goals.
0: That's yeah. Drink from more skulls, and that's cool to hear you you say because you guys um, were, you know, the growth that you experienced and engineered was in in a lack of words, insane. Um, the way you recruited, the way you attacked the market, and built the company very, very quickly. So you'd get even more aggressive. That's that's so cool to hear. We uh, haven't really done this before, but you shared. You've got some questions for me, so if you want to shoot yeah. away. Hit me with a uh, Well, for sure, man.
1: First, of all, I, I I said it earlier, and I, I will say it again. And anytime I'm in passing with any of the folks from Apex or anybody else that knows who you are, you know, I just want to express my gratitude to you and what you're doing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you're not only delivering a good product, but uh, you're entertaining, man. And uh, one one day when our when our paths meet in person, we'll be able to celebrate for that. So, oh, yeah. um, kind of going back to just a few things that I had. I, I want to know how you and maybe your family was involved too, but how did you come about being either the self-proclaimed or the Australian-recognized best hair <laughs> in your country? I really need to know the answer to that.
0: Best hair in the country. Yeah, great question. I uh, It's a funny story, really. I started getting – I got into advertising and marketing oh, – Five or six years ago now, I was doing building commercial cleaning and renovation here where I live and I met Andrew Ammons and Tim Nusbeck and I was advertising for my own that business and it was doing really, really well. So they hit me up to um, to do some stuff with them and it was in that experience that I learned that roofers hate marketers, contractors have this thing with them because they talk so much shit, they lie, they make things up. So like, I'm like, okay. Well, if they're going to say all oh, this bullshit, I'm going to tell people I've got the greatest hair on Facebook. And I just kept saying it. I just started saying I've got tremendous hair. I'm the second greatest redhead in the world. Um, I have the greatest hair on Facebook. Then I'm like, how do I double down on this? People thought it was kind of funny. It was memorable. Um, it was catching people's attention. So I did a post where I gave my I, I won an award for having the greatest hair on Facebook and it was funny because it triggered so many people they're like yeah it's not even that good who gave this award <laughs> i'm like I fucking made it up. i gave it to myself <laughs> yeah. and i'm like that's the power of social media so it's kind of like cool. a play on just giving people shit and having fun but it was the the actual marketing lesson was if you can if you're consistent and you say the same thing over and over and over again people will start to remember it and it becomes like an anchor so when any t- anytime someone talks about having hair or anything hair related, skull related, they think of me. So I've got all these little anchors sitting out in the in the world that make people think of me, and it, it's super powerful. It could work for anyone as long as you get it right.
1: Yeah, hey, I compliment that. You know, when we were young in our in our business, we're still young in our business, man. Um, Sam and I celebrated seven years of partnership uh, this year, yeah. and uh, congrats, almost almost two with the Apple brand. So we got a we got a lot to learn too but just complimenting on what you said you know we made our our name there you go. pretty quick and we stuck with it and you know we we caught a lot of flack from it people would laugh about it people would use their Mike Tyson lisp when they would say Kreff huttle and you know <laughs> people would laugh about it yeah. and that's okay we we that's that's motivation but they sure. would also wear they would also wear the bracelet so yeah. i don't know um so sticking sticking with one thing and building your brand that's that's really good that's important Yeah. The only other question I had, man, we could talk on uh, for hours on different topics. The only other question I had is um, when are we going to see you in the United States? Uh, When are we going to get a formal invitation to Australia?
0: The formal invite to Australia is always there with the U.S. I'm I'm really looking forward to getting there. Uh, It'd probably be next year now because my wife and I, my wife's pregnant. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So with our second little one. I had planned to come. We were all we were going to come over this year, but because she's now pregnant and sort of halfway through, we're gonna gonna see that out and stay safe here. With um, everything that's happened in the past few years, there's been no next to no international travel. It's all all back in order now. Right. So yeah, that's sort of the thing that stopped me. But I'm definitely going to get over there uh, next year. Come to some events yes. and meet everyone. It'll be great.
1: We'll keep our eye out, man. We definitely need some uh, some FaceTime. time. I mean, yeah, we got a lot of fans over here. A lot of people would want to visit with you
0: and catch up yeah, for sure we'll drink from some scales we'll have some beers some Cheers, wings yeah. do some american stuff i'll get a hat it'll be great big cowboy <laughs> hat <laughs>
1: and so, speaking of doing the cultural stuff um i read this thing yesterday and, and and we can turn it off after this when a kangaroo is in a pond and he's staring at you does that really mean they, they're ready for you to come in and fight
0: yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> they're so good on their hind legs, they'll they'll drown you pretty quick. So yeah, you don't want to play their any, game.
1: Any of your buddies go toe to toe with one?
0: <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got. I got a few buddies that hunt them and stuff like that. They're pretty. They're pretty hectic. I've got heaps of kangaroos where I live, which is kind of. It's not actually that normal, even though there's. I don't know. There's forty or fifty million kangaroos. In Australia, but you would never see them unless you get out to the country. They're not in the big cities or anything, so sure. yeah, but yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty hectic. I would, uh, I would avoid them if you if you could. I would too. I would yeah. not be interested to in go toe to toe with them. They love a good brawl. I'll tell you that. <laughs> hey man, hey, they man. normally run away though. To be fair, they see you. Sure. They Wild bounce and, yeah. Well, thanks, my man. If people want to connect with you, if they want to talk about you know roofing sales private equity, anything that you can provide some value with, where would be the best place to find you?
1: Sure. Um, I I operate on two social media platforms. That's really it, mostly Facebook, but sometimes Instagram. And it's the same handle on both Logan eGraph, easily found there. Um, I can communicate through Messenger or chat. And if folks want to reach out and and set up meetings, um, I'm happy to do that as well. Like I said earlier, the more people that I can meet, the more ideas that I could create. Um, in reference to roofing, you can find us at appleroof.com. We're working on getting in more states, but we're working in about 20 states now. So wow. we're moving around the country a lot. The Easiest way is Facebook. Second easiest way is on our website and then through email.
0: Awesome. And that that would be a great place for people that are looking for an opportunity work-wise, um, whether it be sales or uh, any one of the you know many different roles that you would no doubt be looking for quality people. I guess it all starts with a conversation. So if they connect with you, they can go through the right channels there too. Is that right? For sure. Yeah, We're
1: always looking for good um, sales folks that are just good with customer service and communication. You don't even have to be good at sales. If you're good at communication, there's, there's lots of opportunities in this industry.
0: Awesome. Before we wrap up, what's the question I should have asked you but didn't? I
1: wrote that one down. <laughs> Actually, you, you already kind of answered it, I think, but I'll ask it anyways. How does one like me become to have the world's best
0: hair in North America? Based on what on my, my marketing knowledge, you would need to win an award. Now, how you win that award is really up to you, whether you can get creative with it. For me, I literally just did a Facebook post about how I won a tough but fair battle uh, for winning the award for greatest hair on Facebook. So I suggest you do the same. Then you just keep telling people that you've won that award. And within a short period of time, they'll start thinking that it's true.
1: Yes. Recognition, baby. <laughs> That's great
0: stuff, man. Well, thank you for sharing some time with the I Drink from Skulls podcast crew. You've been amazing. Uh, and look out for our next episode, and we will drink from some skulls with you next time. Cheers.